The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings, the number one rated sports book in America and the best fantasy app out there as well. The original DraftKings app. Love it. Love, by the way, those of you that are tuning in to hear or watch Greg Cosell break down the top running backs in the 2021 NFL Draft. You can actually bet on the draft already at DraftKings, which is amazing. Speaking of amazing, these weeks when we only do three episodes a week and the last one's on Thursday morning, they go fast, man. I mean, really fast. Now, you can obviously... Still check out, and I encourage you, Even Money Podcast was awesome on Tuesday, talking about NFL futures, division futures. That just means Super Bowl odds, conference championship odds, division odds, and NFL draft bets. So I would encourage you to check that out. Yesterday on the Fantasy Feast, we went to Best Ball 201 with Scott Barrett and Joe Dolan of Fantasy Points. That was awesome. And we had an extended running back conversation on the College Draft Podcast this week, which is exactly what I'm going to get into with my buddy Greg Cosell from NFL Films after I give out a couple winners because it's a winner. I want winners. I want people that want to win. we got some of the easiest contests around. No time to dilly-dally. The Spread the Word winner, Zach Moore. Zach Moore replied to a tweet about yesterday's Fantasy Feast. I think I tweeted it at Ross Tucker NFL. It was a quote tweet from at Ross Tucker Pod, just saying that Scott Barrett had all of the best ball info, and Zach Moore called him the goat. That's engaging. That's engaging with one of our posts. Thank you, Zach. Let me know what press pass card or picture you would like. Sponsor confirmation email winner Nathan Mood, one hundred flowers, and then I found out this morning Nathan Mood also became a patron. So Nathan's a sponsor confirmation email winner via the vaunted double dip, 100 flowers, and became a patron, patreon.com slash RT Media. Double dip, Nathan. That is a mood. Get it? Uh, YouTube shout out, Kai Moore. No, Kai Nelson. Not Kai Moore. Kai Nelson made a comment about the fantasy feast. Love it, love it, love it. 
Love the winners. Love how we're growing all these things. Love Greg Cosell. Love the big show. The big show. All right. So everybody knows Greg already. If you're new, awesome. Welcome. This might be your favorite episode of the week. He's at Greg Cosell on Twitter. 42 years at NFL Films, which is amazing on so many levels. He is the preeminent football watcher, in my opinion, that never played or coached at the NFL level. And look, he's better than a lot of people that did that those things. I'm just telling you, he is. But um, I know for sure he's the best of anybody that did not do those things. He is our professor. And Greg, I think this might be like the eighth consecutive year, seventh consecutive year, that we start our running back draft breakdown with me asking you, Greg, how important is the running back position? <laughs> Does the running back position matter? Well, you know, it, it's a great question. And by the way, there have been studies done that indicate that the offensive line is more important to long-term success than a specific running back. And that's why I think a lot of teams don't necessarily value running backs the way we think, even if a player is rated highly on a draft board. I mean, there'll be running backs in this draft, Ross. Clearly, that'll be on teams' draft boards in the top 15, top 20, top 25. The question is, do you take the running backs there? And then, you know, that's why teams do studies. Um, but then you'll look at your draft board. So it's 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 a tough deal for a team. Um, you know, I don't have a brilliant answer to that question. You know, you have to decide what that player means to your specific offense. Uh, there's going to be answers on both sides. There's going to be backs that are great. Um, you know, look, usually second deals for backs, most people would say don't do that. Obviously, the Titans just did that with Derrick Henry. People can debate whether that's a good move or a bad move. But you know, we've got some quality backs in this draft. The question is, where do they get drafted? So here's what I would say about that, Greg. And if you think I'm wrong, tell me. I I, I am not a believer in, and you'll never hear me saying, any position on a football team doesn't matter. I agree with I, that. Really, it really bothers me yes. when I hear people say, running backs don't matter. Running backs don't matter. What, what they're really trying to say is, in my opinion, Greg, is that when you look at positional value and the impact of such on wins and losses, running backs would be low on their list. And we can have that conversation, and I can live with that, and I've seen the data and the stats that indicate that. All of that's fine. But, like, I, I you know, you can't – like. They used to say guards didn't matter. When I played Greg, they said guards didn't matter. Now guards get $15, $16 million a year. I'm pretty yeah, sure they think guards matter. Like every guy out there matters. Some, obviously, some positions have a greater impact on the outcome of games than others. But every position matters, Greg. And what bothers me, and again, this is a nuanced conversation, and the problem with social media is very little is nuanced, Ross, as you know. So, uh, and and I'm sure if you think back to when you wrote your papers at Princeton, just like when I wrote my papers at, at Amherst, there's a lot of detail and nuance. There's not easy answers to a lot of questions. So, you know, I think that y you have to be careful about saying a position doesn't matter. Uh, 
or you have to be careful about saying anybody could do that for a given team. Um, so it's 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 a tough question. I, I don't think there's an easy answer, and smart, reasonable people will disagree on it. Yeah, and I mean, everybody will point like to James Robinson and say, "Oh, you can just get a guy like that, Raheem Mostert." Right, yeah. right, right, right. But there's teams. There's always exceptions. Right, but that doesn't mean you necessarily your team that year will get that guy. Right. You know what I mean, Greg? Like, that sounds good until you're the Miami Dolphins or one of these teams that you don't feel like you're getting good enough production from that position. You don't feel like you're good enough at that position. Like, it's so – yes, can Miles Gaskin or these guys have a 100-yard game? Yeah. And I think you can make very strong arguments against the second contract, big money, against making them a top-10 pick. Like, we can have those conversations. But the don't matter, and like you can get running backs at any round. You can, but sometimes you don't. Like well, you take a guy in the fourth round, he might stink. And yeah, then, and then we. I know we need to move on, but just one final point. People used to say that about safeties. Okay, remember when safeties were drafted in the fourth, fifth round, and the premise was, oh, you can find safeties anywhere. And then if you speak to defensive coordinators, they'll tell you, which I have done, as I'm sure you have, they'll say, well, I can't do the things I want to do defensively if I don't have good safeties. So, I mean, you can say all these things, but nothing is a definitive here. It's it's easy to throw it out there and make it sound like you're smarter than everybody else, but you've got to talk to coaches and how they feel about the deployment of players and how that factors into winning a game every Sunday. Yeah, ask Sean Payton whether or not he thinks Alvin Kamara matters. Right. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break. Ask Steve Spagnuolo if he thinks Teran Matthew matters. Right, right. All right, let's get into these draft guys, Greg. I love having those chats with you like that. Maybe we'll do it more this offseason. Do you have a number one guy, Greg? Do you have a guy? Because I've seen three different guys, two in particular – Listed as the number one guy. Who's your the guy number one guy? Tape I really like. And we'll, we'll just go through the guys again. Now I'm just talking about my evaluation of the player. We're way beyond now, you know, where a guy should get drafted. I don't do that, Ross. You know that. I don't do mocks. I don't say a guy should be drafted here. One guy I absolutely loved on tape, and I knew nothing about him when I put his tape on, was Javonta Williams from North Carolina. I thought he had the look and feel of a feature back in the NFL. Size, compact build patience, vision, subtle lateral quickness and confined space, burst speed, powerful, contact balance. He had as good a contact balance with his ability to run through and break tackles as I think I've seen in recent memory. Uh, I thought he was a very, very complete runner, and I think that his receiving traits can be developed over time. He doesn't come into the league right now as a big-time receiver, but I think they can be developed over time. So, Greg, just for clarity here, obviously you love the guy. Do you think he's the best back in the draft? Um, I think, to me, if, if, if you're a team that wants to line up and hand the ball to a back 20 times a game, if that's your offensive philosophy, and now, of course, we get into philosophy. That's the issue, Ross. You know that. Every offense has a philosophy. If that's your philosophy, to me – I would make him my number one back if that's your philosophy. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, Then who would be the next guy on your list? Well, you know, then you start again. Let's play off philosophy without making lists. 
someone like Travis Etienne of Clemson is really explosive. When, when you bring those kinds of explosive traits to the party, that makes him a strong projection and transition. He's a home run hitter. The question with him is, what is he? He was not a volume back in college. To me, he improved as a runner in 2020 because I watched a lot of games from 2019 as well. I thought he improved as a runner in terms of his contact balance, finishing traits. He got harder yards this year than he did in 2019, but he still was not a volume runner. At times, he reminded me of Dalvin Cook, but Cook was a volume runner in college and is a volume runner in the NFL, so we know Dalvin Cook can do that. The question is, do people see him more as someone you mentioned a few minutes ago, Alvin Kamara? Kamara is a much shiftier, looser athlete, and he's more advanced and refined as a receiver. ATN's more straight-line explosive, and ATN does line up detached from the formation and is a good receiver, and I think he'll get better at that. So, again, now it comes down to how teams see ATN and what's your offensive philosophy. It's hard to say a guy who's never been a volume runner is all of a sudden going to be a volume runner. Maybe he can be, but he's never done that. He didn't do it in college. Uh, I got to ask you about the next guy because um, I'm assuming this guy's pretty high on your list. Maybe he's not, you know, just in terms of the eval. And that is uh, Najee Harris from yeah. Alabama. Now there's a volume back. Um I think you have to understand that that's what he is. He's not a back you put out there for eight carries a game. Um, I thought another guy that showed really meaningful improvement from 2019 to 2020 in terms of his lateral quickness, he, his hips were a little looser. I thought those are needed traits if he's to become a higher level back in the league. Um, he showed some jump cut quickness, much smoother change of direction. He just He just looked like a better back in 2020. The big question he is a very good receiver, and, and they used him at times detached from the formation, but rarely do guys with his body type fit the conventional mold of the third down receiving back. I I can't really think of guys who, who've done that. I mean, I guess you could go back maybe a Steven Jackson, maybe a Deuce McAllister. You know, I guess those are some names that might pop into my head. Those guys were good receivers. Can Najee Harris be that guy? Uh is he a, a three-down back in this league? I, that's that's a question I keep going over in my mind. He's not an explosive player, but that's okay. It's not a weakness that you can't take it 60 yards to the house. I mean, obviously, offenses would love that, and coaches love that, but that's not a true weakness. Um, the concern for me with him is he's a little bit upright. He takes a lot of body shots. He takes on a lot of contact, Ross. Now, he's physical. He's competitive. He's all those good things but he takes a lot of contact during the game. Yeah, he kind of reminds me, I think maybe it's the hair a little bit. I've seen some Steven Jackson watching him, yeah. the upright and the hair and the size. There's also a little bit like Matt Forte to his game. I feel like um, watch him. Now, I thought Matt Forte personally was a little smoother. Like, you know, when I would remember Matt Forte, particularly if, if it was outside zone or toss plays, he just looked like a smoother back to me. Um, I've seen that Forte comparison. I don't quite see it the way other people do, but that's okay. I mean, that's, you know. What about, Greg, um, a guy that didn't play this year? And this is, look, I know scouts will tell you, Greg, that you scout the player, not the school. 
Right. But this is like the fifth good running back to come out of Memphis in the yeah. last three years. I mean, Henderson and Pollard and Gibson. And I mean, it's really impressive. And uh, Gainwell had a heck of a year a couple years ago, such that he didn't even play this past year because he felt good with his standing. Now, to me, he's the most uh, like Alvin Kamara in this class. He's not quite the same level athletically and explosively as Kamara, but I think he presents similar value to an NFL offense with his multiple run game experience and his ability to line up all over the formation as a receiver and run receiver routes, not running back routes, receiver routes. And and that to me is, is what makes him, I think a pretty big time prospect because of his ability to impact the passing game. Ross, I think this guy of all the, the top backs in this draft, and I've not done, you know, 25 backs. I'll get to 25 backs by the time the draft rolls around. Um, but for the purpose of our conversation, you know, I've not, I've probably done 10 backs of the backs I've done. I think that he presents the most as a big time prospect because of his value in the passing game. I mean, he ran vertical routes uh, and made tough catches on back shoulder fades on, on, you know, uh, ver- like I said, vertical type routes. And you normally don't see that very often with running backs. Right. And look, this guy's so good, Greg. Memphis made Antonio Gibson a receiver. Right. I mean, think about that, right? Like, the, the, the Gainwell was so good that Antonio Gibson, who was a third-round pick and had a good rookie year, he played receiver at Memphis because they liked Gainwell so much. Right, and in 2019, Gainwell had 231 carries. So you're right. It wasn't like Gainwell was just like, oh, give him the ball once in a while. He had 231 carries. And he caught 51 balls at 12 yards a catch. And I know those are numbers, and I go way beyond numbers when I do my work, as you know. But just to make the point that this guy carried the ball with some volume, and he was a really important receiver. And like I said, it was the routes he ran. So I think this guy's fascinating. Uh, you know, he's not on, on in the normal conversation because he wasn't on the radar because he didn't play this year. But I, I loved him uh, watching him on tape. You know, I thought that – he was, he was a really good prospect because of the receiving element. I'm curious to get your opinion on the other North Carolina running back, Michael Carter, because I know Emory Hunt on Monday's College Draft podcast just loved how elusive Carter is. Yeah. Well, he's 5'8 and about 200 pounds. And so normally that says complimentary back. Uh, and he's a good receiver. Um and my sense is almost all teams will see him that way. But again, now you get down to team and philosophy. Some teams could see him the way the Chiefs saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming out of LSU as, as a quote-unquote primary back in a heavy shotgun pass offense. It depends on your offensive philosophy. I mean, this kid has a strong multidimensional skill set. He can be a factor in the run game. He's a factor in the pass game. The more I watched him, the more I liked him. I mean, I think that he's a darting, slashing kind of runner. He's got compact movement, really good balance. He can reaccelerate. Um, he flashed some power at times when he initiated contact. I, I like the player. It's just a matter of what he is in the NFL. And I think the the sort of gut response is, the immediate response is, oh, well, he's a complimentary back. And maybe that's what he is. But now you get into philosophy. Got to also ask you, Greg, about Trey Sermon. Matt Waldman, a guy I have a lot of respect for. He was on Monday's College Draft podcast. 
He thinks Trey Sermon's the best back in the draft. Um, you know, the former Oklahoma Sooner yeah. who played for Ohio State this past year. What did you see from Sermon, Greg? Well, I watched him in Oklahoma and I watched him this year at Ohio State. And and I like Sermon. I think that he's he fits the profile of the sustaining competitive back more than the explosive back. I think he's the kind of back that you can give the ball to 20 times a game if that's what your offense is. Um, he's he's a mature professional runner. He's got patience. He's got vision. He's very good working and can find space with balance, with strong finishing tra- traits. You know, so again, now you have to decide. Uh, what is he to you? I don't think he's the kind of back you give the ball to six times a game and say, okay, he's he's a committee back. Um, you wouldn't say he's shifty and elusive, but he's workmanlike, he's efficient, he's competitive. Those backs always find a place in the league. It's just what is he to your offense? Is there anybody else, Greg, that you feel like merits a mention, whether it's Herbert from Virginia Tech, Patterson from UB, anybody else that you feel like, I, I want to at least say one thing about this guy. You know, Khalil Herbert, I found fascinating. He was a kid that went to Kansas and then had the graduate transfer year at uh, at Virginia Tech this year and had a really, really good year. Um, this kid really was, he's a cutback runner. He was so decisive cutting back. He was a zone runner. Um I'm going to make a comparison that's – I don't want people to think I'm making this comparison because I automatically think he's this guy. Um, you know, I liked him, and I thought that he doesn't have all the needed traits right now to be a quote-unquote running back one, given that he's much more of a space runner than an inside sustaining runner. But there were times he uh, he made me think of, of Tiki Barber. And before people go, oh, my God, Tiki Barber, keep in mind, and you'll remember this, Tiki Barber did not become a foundation back until his sixth NFL season. And I'm not saying that Herbert is that guy right now, but just stylistically, I thought of Barber as I watched him. So we'll see where Herbert goes. I mean, he's he's 5'9", he's 204 pounds. So uh, we'll see. But I like the player. He's He's got some explosive traits to him. Outstanding stuff, Greg, as always. Already excited for next week. I've got notes down. We'll have social media clips and YouTube clips on uh, one, two, three, four, five, at least five over the course of the next three days. I don't think intern Casey likes you very much, Greg, because I make her cut up a lot of clips <laughs> on social media because I'm taking notes while you're talking, but uh, it's worth it. It's phenomenal. Check Greg out at Greg Cosell. We're at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker Pod. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Ross. So good. Uh, by the way, Bri, I know I've talked before about my high school basketball game, draining threes, 24 three-pointers my senior year. Should have been more. I should have fired up more. Earlier in the year, they were trying to get me to play down low. Anyway, I loved high school basketball. I loved intramural basketball. At Princeton, I love draining threes. And right now, DraftKings, you can bet on $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game. And if they make it rain, you cash $100. I mean, think about that. That's like a bet you make where you might be, you might have already won the bet two minutes into the game. And then the whole rest of the game, you're just smiling because you just got 100 to 1 odds on a team to make a three. Unbelievable. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code ROSS 
to get your shot turned $1 into $100 when you bet on any team hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code Ross. For new customers, get a shot at 100-to-1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or VGA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winners paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 109 with it, or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Tux Takes. Morning, Ross. Not a lot of news to get to today other than guys like JPP and Chiefs uh, Mitchell Schwartz posting pictures of their surgeries and a strange situation involving Ravens free agent pass rusher Matthew Judon. Right. So, you know, JPP, obviously, sometimes you wait a couple weeks after the Super Bowl um, before you have the surgery. I think Mitch Schwartz, Mitchell Schwartz was trying to avoid it which is what you try in my experience you try to avoid back surgeries and then you ultimately have it like I don't know many guys that have ever able to just totally avoid having it you try to not you try to see if you can rehab it without it but doesn't often work didn't work for me and I tried hard I didn't have my surgery till April because they kept thinking maybe I could avoid it, because they know that sometimes the surgery doesn't necessarily fix it, like some of these other things. As for the Judon thing, man, he's not helping himself. You know, he didn't like a report from Jamison Hemsley, who covers the Ravens, saying that Judon turned down $16.5 million per year last summer. He didn't like that and said, take the report down or whatever. And then he, he threatened to post pictures of Judon and, and Jameson at a strip club. I don't like weird, man. Weird. Like, I don't know what they're doing at the strip club. I don't know. Like, didn't he already put it out there? Unless it's something um, scandalous. He kind of already said that Jameson was at the strip club, which is legal. It just doesn't help him. It doesn't help him with the Ravens. It doesn't help him with the next team. It's not smart if you're Matthew Judon at all. Not at all. What is smart is how many of you have been subscribing to the YouTube channel and commenting. I love it. We've got like, I think two people, two or three so far. So here's what happens. You subscribe to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And then you comment on any of the videos. I'll reply to it and say, um, and tell you something. If I, if I want you to maybe be in the next football feedback YouTube exclusive show where you come on the show just like Brian is right now and ask me a question. Uh, so we've got several people that have done it, but there are still more spots available. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Let's get to an email, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address Ross at Ross Tucker.com. Love getting the emails might even get to two today we'll try but it is why we have football feedback now so we can get to more of your questions because one of my like I, I think you guys like it I know I love it because you guys come up with topics that I wouldn't come up with myself 
All right, today's question. Hey, Ross, thanks to you and Brian for providing so much top-quality football content five days a week in the offseason, five days a week during the season, and three in the offseason. My question regarding TV timeouts. First, how odd was it for you when you first had TV timeouts? I would think it would be annoying to have to wait around for two minutes. Also, why did the players all go out onto the field during commercials? I've often noticed that the teams run onto the field on a change of possessions as though the play clock was running. And when you see the uh, the oven mitt guy, and I don't know what his proper name is, out on the field indicating a commercial, is it a rule that the players must be on the field, or is it just a habit? That is from Wes Myers from York, Pennsylvania. What do they call the, the uh, oven mitt guy, the red hat? Orange sleeves. Red hat is college. Okay, the red hat is college, orange sleeves is NFL, communicating. And the answer is, Wes, you don't always take a TV timeout. So, you, yes, you're right. You could look over and you could see that the oven mitt guy, the orange sleeve guy is out there. But what's the difference between standing on the sideline, which some teams do, by the way, Versus running out onto the field. You know, you're usually anxious and eager to be ready to go. Plus, as soon as they say you're back, boom, you call the play and you go. So you don't want to be on the sideline for that. I mean, some teams do that. Um, there's no real difference. But um, a lot of times you run on the field and you ask the the white hat, the official, we go in or break? We go in or break? Quarterbacks usually know to ask. I'll say this, my rookie year, well, I didn't play that much my rookie year, but even like preseason games, my first preseason game, I had never experienced that before. Like we ran on the field and I remember thinking, why am I just standing here? Like why, why are we just in the huddle talking for a couple of minutes? And then I started to figure out, oh, it's a TV timeout. And I, I started to get it. And honestly, Wes, you get used to it real quickly. Real quickly. Love, by the way, that Wes took advantage of the Raycon wireless earbuds. They're amazing. But you get used to it very quickly, Wes, is the answer. Let's get to one more, Bri. Before we do, i got a question. So during that two-minute timeout and you're in the huddle, is it all football that you're talking or is there other conversations going on? Um, it can be anything. Like sometimes it's funny because Joey Galloway – I guess called Chad Hutchinson Chuck and would say, Chuck, what we got? Chuck, what we got? And I thought he was saying Tuck. And I would like turn around and be like, I, I don't know yet, Joey. Sorry. <laughs> um, sometimes the quarterback tells you what the play is going to be. Sometimes he doesn't. If he tells you, your, your reaction, your instinct is to like talk to the guy that you're blocking with or maybe even say something to the running back. And some of the veteran guys would be like, don't talk to the running back. You know what I mean? Because, like, you're trying to be like, hey, if this guy does this, I'm going to do that. And But they see you talking to him. So it varies, Bry. Sometimes it's football. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's other stuff. I told you my Cleveland Browns TV timeout story, right? Uh, you may have, but I don't remember. So – in a scrimmage that year, maybe we'll only get to one email now, but in a scrimmage, we scrimmaged the Browns that year. And I had I, I had been very physical and borderline in the scrimmage. Like, threw a guy down and speared him. I threw down Gerard Warren. Well, we play him that year, and they, and they have it out for me. They, 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 they stink, and they're, they're just 
they have it out for me. So uh, after like the first play or two, they push me after the play. Then at the end of that first series, Gerard Warren spits in my face. The D-tackle from Florida. So that was the first series we punt. We come out for the second series, and it's a TV timeout. And I very calmly walk over to them, Bri, and I just said it was Alvin McKinley, Gerard Warren. I can't remember who else it was. I said, uh, hey, guys, this is TV timeout. I just walk over, you know, like in the middle of the field. I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I'm sick of it. I'm going to break one of your effing legs on the next play. And I walk back to the huddle. And so then I'm in the huddle for like a minute and a half. We come out for the next play. And McKinley is like, he's lined up across from me. He's like, tuck, tuck, tuck. We're good now, man. We're, it's cool. We're good now. Coaches want us to do that. We're good. We're good. Because um, I, I just had had it. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not letting you guys push me after the play. I'm not letting you spit in my face. I'm going to break one of your freaking legs. How about that? And uh, anyway, every once in a while, people get a little snippet of on-field Ross. Just a little snippet. But I still don't swear. We got a YouTube comment the other day that an eight-year-old, no, it was a cameo video. Somebody, they wanted a cameo video for their son turning eight because he listens to the show. So I actually, to be honest with you guys, I take a lot of pride in that. I feel like uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there that swear and... I don't know. I just feel like that's an easy route to go. Like that, it's easier to just drop an f bomb or this or that. I, I don't need it. We don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make you cool. I feel like I'm like talking to like my kid. Like, it doesn't make you cooler to say that. We don't need it. I can get the point across without swearing. And so, anyway, I hope you guys appreciate that because I, uh, it is it is intentional for sure that I do that. Shout outs. To Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, SteakhouseSports.com, Vision Comics with an X, DinerDepot.com. Anybody's got a restaurant or anything out there, make sure, please, you subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out some of the other shows. I'm telling you, you don't have anything to listen to tomorrow while you're working out or in the morning or at night. Listen to the Fantasy Feast or even Money This Week or College Draft or Andrew Brandt's Salary Cap 101. You will love it. I promise. I think we're done here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.